Welcome to the sixth podcast in our series about buying property in Valencia. Today we're going to be looking at the story of Valencia property, why we do what we do and how we do it. We'll be having a discussion about the all-important descriptions we put out into the world and we'll be looking at the tech that we use every day. We'll also be answering more of your questions. Just a couple today of one of them is a longer answer and with the discussion around descriptions we didn't want to take up too much of your time. We've got to be respectful of that. We also look at a few things that are happening in Valencia at the moment. But to start off with, let's go with the story of Valencia property. It's very simple. This is Graham talking and around the late 90s I was looking to buy a house in Valencia with my wife and daughter and the service by the huge majority of agents was, well, it was absolutely terrible. It took forever, they never listened to what I wanted, they just took me to see what they could offer rather than give me what I was looking for. Anyway, there was a last straw, an agent showed three houses in a wasted afternoon. None of them corresponded to what I wanted, and all of them were well above my budget. And then they said, okay, which are you buying? I reckon that's a big jump. But anyway, the response was mostly unprintable, but involved quite a bit of swearing and mentioning that I couldn't afford them. Don't worry, said the agent, I can get you the mortgage. And I said, but I can't pay it. And I walked out. Six months later, Valencia Property was born when a friend, having seen the chaos that had unfolded before, when we were looking, asked me to help him find a house. For two years, I'd already been helping people find rentals, locating, visiting, translating, sorting out the contracts, that sort of thing. So buying couldn't be that difficult, right? Well, actually, no, it wasn't. In six weeks, the house had been found, a price agreed on, a mortgage done, and the property signed for. Valencia Property was born. The company's now been working in Valencia for over two decades and goes from strength to strength. We've seen the boom of the early 2000s, the bust after the financial crisis, and the return of the market over the last decade. We know the market inside out, and we know Valencia inside out. Ask us anything about the residential market in Valencia, and we can probably give you an informed answer. And more importantly, if we can't, we don't bluff it. We let you know, and we will always know someone who can answer the question. Lawyers, architects, surveyors, builders, painters, electricians, plumbers, tax advisors, gardeners, pool maintenance people, basically anything you can want, we know people to do it and do it well. In the last two decades, we've helped thousands of people find their perfect home in and around Valencia and even in other parts of Spain. Even when we haven't found the property, our clients have found our help invaluable over the years and have thanked us in private messages and more. What we do can be described as follows. We listen to your requirements. We search out the whole of the market to find the things that suit those requirements, not only those that you see on the site here, our Valencia property site. And we take you by the hand through the whole process from initial contact to purchase and even beyond. Importantly, what we offer and what we have always offered is a highly personalized, friendly and informal service.
You'll never see us suited and booted, and we are not at all corporate in the way we deal with people. If you want somebody personable to work with you in this way, then you won't find any better, we think. However, above all, we're extremely professional because we know what we are doing. 20 years of experience in the Valencia property market means that there is hardly anything that surprises us. Saying that, this week, a few things happened for the first time, so something will always come up. start today with some news from Valencia. Uh, the Valencia Design Capital events continue apace because Valencia is the world design capital for 2022. The whole of this year you can find things going on all around the city. In the show notes we have the link to all of the events in February and that includes the Paradis Festival of Design and Creativity. It's well worth a look. Also, talking about creativity, the FIAS have been built and... There are an exhibition in the City of Arts and Sciences for the whole of February where you can see the FIAS models for this year and some, two really, are going to be saved from the flames and it's your vote which will help to decide which ones get saved from the flames. FIAS in March this year, the big fiesta, is going to be big, Covid allowing of course, as it will be the first real FIAS for two years. And speaking of Covid... The numbers are down a lot over the last week, and we're hoping they'll continue that way. This week, the government got rid of the outdoor mask mandate, but the recommendation is still in place. So be thoughtful of others. If you can't keep your distance outside, still wear a mask, because there's a lot of nervous people, myself included. Remember, the indoor spaces still require a mask currently. So when you sit down in a restaurant, you can take your mask off. But in general, when you're in a shopping centre and that, you keep your mask on. And to finish on something more interesting, Levante Football Club are probably playing their last games in the first division for at least a year as a shocking season continues. They need all the support they can get starting on Sunday this week. Valencia, meanwhile, are in the semi-finals of the Cup, looking to finish this season with silverware. Remember, from mid-August to mid-May every year, there's a football match every week in Valencia. And there will be next year too, even if Levante... Sorry even when Levante go down, because they'll be playing in the second division and probably tearing it up and winning the division by a mile. Famous last words. Anyway, back to Valencia property and why we work how we work. don't want to do is blind you with science. There isn't really that much science anyway involved in buying a house. If we're going to be dealing with people, then we believe that the service has to be personable, friendly and efficient. We get to choose our clients, onboarding them through video calls and getting to know them and what they want. We get to filter out people we don't think we can help through the calls, the blogs, the social media posts and these podcasts. And we don't overpromise and underdeliver. We prefer under-promising and delivering in spades, of course. As we do this for a living, we really prefer to enjoy ourselves, so why would we keep it dry, corporate and boring and pressured? If we can keep ourselves interested in what we are doing, then we transmit this enthusiasm to our clients, of course. Most of us have lived in Valencia for over 20 years and take pride in our city, its surroundings, the region and the country. One of the things we do to keep it interesting is we sort of have an internal competition and it's like basically who can write the best descriptions 
can we make everybody else laugh or think about something different when we're doing the descriptions? We write interesting descriptions because of the following reason. You're looking online and you're seeing lots of houses and the description says three bedrooms, two bathrooms, 85 meters, kitchen, living room. Yeah, yeah we know, we know. We know the kitchen has worktops. We know the bathroom has a toilet and shower. We know the living room has space to swing a cat or, or it doesn't have space to swing a cat. You can see that in the photos that we provide in the property listings. You don't need to be told that. You need to be told if there isn't a kitchen, if the bathroom is a shocker from the 1970s, if there is a tree leaning on the roof and threatening to bring the house down. And you need that because the photos don't show the whole picture. Agencies don't often highlight the bad parts of a property, but if a property has a bad part, we will. After all, we don't want you to have to travel from all parts of the world under false pretenses. Check out our blog post in the show notes about Photoshop and other sins for more on what the photos don't show you. Many agents use wide-angle lenses to distort spaces. They use CGI to show you what a place might look like in the future as opposed to what it actually looks like now. And they use dry descriptions. However, we don't. Quite a few years ago, we decided we wouldn't be that agent. We thought that house hunters deserved something more interesting when they were searching through multiple property descriptions online. Something that stood out, something blatantly honest, and something that might raise a laugh or a comment. My favourite of the hundreds of descriptions I've written personally is the Elton John Villa. It's a sad, sad situation. two million euro wreck and as Elton John would say it's sad so sad it's a sad sad situation Elton needs to come and rescue this totally awesome property from the disrepair and disrespect that society is throwing at it sorry does seem to be the hardest word here to apologize to this property it was for sale five or six years ago for around four million euros and then the bank repossessed so we have to assume the mortgage was eye-watering but anyway let's have the basics shall we it sits on a plot of over 5,000 metres and is conservatively measured at over 750 metres of house. I don't think that includes the downstairs part with its little surprises, but more of those later. You come in through the door in the non-sliding metallic gates to find a fallen tree gracefully resting on the black slate roof and you immediately start thinking, uh-oh, how much is this going to cost me to repair? The answer's around 300 to 500,000 in total, by the way. We bend our bodies under the tree to reach the main entrance, or we can make our way through the burgeoning jungle to the other side, where what I would hesitatingly describe as a front door is reached by following an overgrown pathway studded by violets and wildflowers thanks to our recent copious rains. You could also take the eight-car garage entrance if the electric was connected so the automatic door opened for us, but it isn't, so it doesn't. Getting into the house... Did I just say house? Getting into the rather huge mansion, the reception room is bigger than most apartments in the city. From this central point, we can go to the north wing or the south wing of the house, but whichever way we go, we find surprises and space. The photos don't even begin to describe the potential of this house as they were taken without electric and with at least five years of dust and spiderwebs polluting the air. There are at least 10 bedrooms and roughly the same number of bathrooms and toilets dotted around. The main bedroom is, well, 
I don't know what it's like, because they're all main bedrooms, really. Not one room you could even optimistically class as a single. The living room is pretty huge too, overlooking as it does the enormously overgrown and abandoned gardens. There are two kitchens, for good measure, in case you don't want the help to appear in your life, and then there's a downstairs basement area with its gym, sauna, machine rooms and, oh yeah, the enormous indoor swimming pool, which has no doubt seen many opulent pool parties, but you are not going to see them as the iPhone torch doesn't work at the same time as the camera. There are a few annexes to the house for those unwanted relatives, smelly teenage kids who hate you, hate you, hate you for not buying them a new pony, or just to keep the grandparents in the style to which they have become accustomed. And the lush, at the moment, over-lush gardens boast a large pool area with a second pool for when you want to be outside rather than swimming underground. And there is the obligatory barbecue and bar area. The property is set on the Santa Barbara estate, just 10 minutes into the centre of Valencia and a couple of minutes away from the Barcelona motorway. It's on a gated estate with 24-hour security and social club and sports club for those who decide to base their life's work on recovering the faded opulence of this colonial-style mansion. If you enjoyed the description, share it with any friends who have recently won the lottery, have obscene wealth or simply want to own an eye-watering mortgage. You could do magic with the transformation of this house, and let's face it, you need to. And once you do, I want a dinner party invitation when it's finished. And now for something completely different. Anyway, I sat down with David and Gavin this week to talk about some aspects of the creativity that goes into the writing of descriptions. Here's what we said. Uh, is this the right room for an argument? So, Gav, you first. What's your favourite description that you've written? My favourite descriptions are about some of the most ordinary places that we come across, where there's nothing obvious that you, you think, wow, this is going to be funny, this is going to be interesting. And then as I've written them, something has come to me. And afterwards, I'm quite pleased with them. For example, there was one, uh, what was it called, maybe, Space and Separation in the Sierra Calderona. I think I wrote that something about getting away from the neighbor's husband after you had an affair with his wife. That was, that was one down in Denya. That was down in Denya. And the foreign minister, Javid, was coming after you. I can't even remember now why, uh -huh. how it all came from. But it I got know. a good reaction now. Yeah, yeah. Again, that was just a, it was a nice, nice property, but looking at the photographs, thinking about it, what am I going to say about this? And then it just, you know, so they're the ones that I'm, I'm happiest with myself. Uh -huh. yeah. What about you, Dave? I remember writing one about uh, to the tune of Eleanor Rigby, and it went quite popular on Facebook because oh, you, yeah, share, you shared that. the post, and it took me quite a while to do it. But it's, uh, I think we try and keep it interesting for ourselves as well, rather than just writing the bog standard like you see a lot online. That's fair enough. So, Gav, how do you decide what to write about on an individual description? The photographs, first of all, that's the obvious place you start. If I flick through, see if anything catches your attention. Sometimes it's really obvious. I remember one of the first ones I did was the townhouse in Almanara. Uh, if anyone has a quick look at that online, uh, that was some pretty impressive photographs, and that was very easy to do. Yeah, I'll put that in the uh, in the show notes so people can take a look. And what else? Well, sometimes the the street names I've brought in, but the history to it sometimes, or the address will spark something in me, and I'll use that. And sometimes it's just random. Sometimes I try not to keep it too topical, because if you write about something that's in the news today or yesterday, it mightn't be relevant. Maybe in a month or two, if the property is still on. Yeah, I would have thought so. And you, Dave? I always look at the location. 
And if there's nothing else you can write about a vanilla apartment, you say, well, it's here and it's 400 meters to this, that and the other, and usually get by on that. And then something occurs to you always and you always end up c coming up with the goods at the end. Always. Always. <laughs> so um, what are the easiest properties to write a description about and what are the most difficult ones? Well, the easiest ones I think I've just mentioned are maybe ones with some really spectacular photographs and there's something really interesting, something really different. But by the same token, some of the hardest ones, sometimes we come across properties in the photographs taken by the owner or by the agent, I'm not sure, and there's some spectacularly strange, weird stuff going on and you kind of think, should I mention this? Should I not mention this? I don't want to offend the owner. I don't want to offend anybody. And you have to kind of tiptoe around things. So for me, they're the hardest. So, so you worry about offending the owner, even though they're probably not going to read it because they're Spanish and they don't speak English. I'm really, what I think about sometimes is that if somebody, if you make a comment on somebody, the state of somebody's bedroom or the, maybe some art on the wall or something like that, if you say that somebody's got a you know, picture of Tower Bridge or the Eiffel Tower or something really naff on the wall, then somebody at home might have that, you know? So I'm not worried about offending the owner, but I'm kind of thinking somebody at home is reading this and I'm offending them. So I'm kind of conscious of that. Just to let everyone know, we are recording this in Dave's living room, which has got a picture of Tower Bridge and the Eiffel Tower, and Dave's sitting next to the camera. Yeah, they are this. my photos, though, and I've been there. <laughs> and Dave, of those photos. <laughs> Dave, what about you? What are the easiest and the most difficult ones to write about? The hardest descriptions are when the photos are really good, and it looks like a good-sized property and a good value in the location, and you think, I can't add anything to this now because... If you've got two eyes in your head, it's pretty obvious that this is a good one. What do you do in those situations then? We don't write anything and say, believe me, it's great, or come and take a look for yourself. We try and sign off and say, you should really come and look at this because we think it's amazing. And if we think it's good because we see so many properties every day, it's usually because they are. And they're going to go pretty quick in that case. Yeah, it's just happened where I sent three really good investments to somebody the other night via email. And they got back to me and said, the links are down, they're no longer available. And at least it kind of it proves that you're right, but it's a shame because now we've gone to have to find something else for them. Yeah, and the problem is they're in Canada, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Quite a long way to come. They'll get you. Eventually, <laughs> eventually. So how do you feel when you get comments that praise the descriptions that you put up? Bit, bit embarrassed, maybe, I don't know. I don't even tell my family what I do. Tell them I work in the tax office. <laughs> I'm a policeman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think we don't. I don't actually write for other people. You kind of want to amuse yourself, or you want to enjoy what you do. So a lot of the descriptions, it's I know what I can put into this, which is going to make friends laugh rather than the general public. You don't list it thinking it's going into a wider audience, and I know that obviously it does. And we get a lot of comments, which is great. But if you can just lighten your day with half an hour of amusement, it's. Uh, we, we try and enjoy what we do, so, you know, rather than just a typical... Yeah, I I think you kind of write like nobody's reading, that kind of thing. Yeah, know, because dance like nobody's watching. Yeah, you write it for yourself, and if somebody reads it, that's great. But, I mean, we know ourselves, we look at enough listings every day that the, the blurb that people put with them, I'm sure a lot of people just skip straight to the photographs. Well, so. we share them around amongst ourselves yeah. as well, which is, it's, it's good to get some approval from your workmates as well. Yeah, yeah I've mentioned there's a sort of informal competition for the best description. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'm glad that there do seem to be some some regular um, readers of the of the website and the blog. We do check in regularly mm. to see what we've put up. People maybe appreciate it. 
I think the best comment we got was uh, on one of the, it's the pinned posts we've got on uh, Facebook, and it said, we used to watch the Tiger King and things, and now we just read out these descriptions to each other. <laughs> yeah, that puts me under a lot of pressure. Do you feel that pressure? We're getting a Netflix series soon, don't worry about it. <laughs> I've, seen Tiger, I've seen Tiger King too, it's not worth it. Okay. <laughs> you don't get a spin-off, for, spin-off podcast after this, I'll be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're talk craft beer. Talk craft, craft beer with Gav. <laughs> Gavin Paul oh dear we've got to try it <laughs> obviously the last question is uh, Gav um, why hasn't an owner killed you yet including Dave well, I don't know what the owner is but the agents certainly the agents give us properties and we list them and they don't I think they know we've got a particular style but we sell properties so I think that's what it comes down to it works we get clients and think- for a service we sell you know ah uh, you know? Foreign owners that people we've sold to in the in the past and now they're selling on, they quite like a bit of gentle ribbing that we can. They know that we're going to get attention to their property because of what we do, rather than it's just a very vanilla description. And we're not so saying they, it's a piece of crap. Yeah, you know? they don't mind that. And when sometimes when I list and I know that they're definitely going to read it, I am careful what what I, what I say because again, you know, mm. you can't just say, "Well, that's horrible and this is rubbish," because you know as English speakers, they're probably going to read the description. Many, many, many years ago, I had this property in Montserrat, and it was an English owner. And um, it had the most dangerous rickety staircase you could ever imagine to get up to this attic room. And so I put in the description, it's got the most dangerous rickety staircase you could ever hope. Of course, they read it and said, take that off the description. I said, no. Hmm. He said, well, you've got to take it off the description. People won't come around and see it. I say, no. If I take it off the description, they'll come around and see it, but they won't buy it because it's got the most dangerous rickety staircase up there. And they'll say, oh, I can't get up there. If you warn them beforehand and they still come around, they can't use it as an excuse. Hmm. So, you know, pointing out the bad parts of a house is actually quite useful in the description as well. Especially when potential buyers have come from a long, long way away to visit. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to, well, basically lie to them, which hmm. a lot of agents do. I mean, I wrote the article this week about what the photos don't show. You know, the damp, that view, wonderful view from the window, which doesn't actually exist. It's just been photoshopped in. Mm-hmm. The wide-angle lenses, etc., that they use, the CGI renders, and then you get to the 30th photo, and suddenly it's totally different. You go, oh, that's what it's like now. Yeah? You know, remember the Beardy Guy apartment? Yeah, that was one of my favorites. I was thinking about that when you asked me what was my favorite. That was one of my favorites as well, but that was an obvious one. It's very subtle, though, isn't it? It's not full-on. I did a hipster one once, and it was, like, really... I've got every single reference to hipsters in with craft brewery and mm. goatee beards and horn rim glasses and this and that and the other. And it was almost like overkill because it was just obvious, mm. a real piss take, to be honest. It was just that, it's, you know, I'm going to go bells and whistles with it. Mm. Was that an owner who was really annoying? No, I can't remember what, it's something in Ruthaffer, obviously. It's <laughs> about 60 metres and you just think, mm, I'm going to struggle to even describe this for more than 30 seconds because it's just so small, what can you say? Yeah, there's not much to write about sometimes. So there's, again, there's three photos of a white corner and a white room, so. Don't you just love the photos of corners? We do, well, <laughs> we, 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 we do our own, but there's some real crackers out there. <laughs> I'm putting you on my list of enemies. The next thing that is important in our company really is the power of the blog. You might have noticed that the heart of what we do is to give people information. We do this through long form blog posts that help to answer the questions that everyone has about buying Valencia property. 
Unlike most estate agencies and realtors, the blog is at the centre of what we do, not the actual listings themselves, because it's the blog and the information contained there that attracts visitors onto the site from the internet. That and the recommendations we get from clients sending their friends and others to us, of course. Why though? Well, if you have a question, we've probably answered it on the blog and can direct you there to see what we've written about it. It's what people find when they go online to ask those questions, and then hopefully the wealth of information makes them stay and explore what else has been written, and the properties we put up there as well. We have an essential reading section for the frequently asked questions that people have for us, and so you can understand the process of purchasing a property in Valencia. The blog demonstrates our expertise and helps people to understand who we are as well as what to expect from us. When our clients come to visit, they have no delusions as to what they will find and we've already started a relationship with them, helping them before they arrive. We're also consistently adding to the blog, making it more of a resource as time goes by. And then of course, we brought more tech into the company. Years ago, I started making YouTube videos before YouTube became a thing. Again, the videos tend to talk about evergreen topics which maintain their relevance over time. The biggest lead generator for us for many years was the series of 100 tips for people coming to live in Spain. It remains online as a sort of Dorian Gray type time capsule of what I used to look like 12 years ago. If you listen to this next year, 13 years ago. However, 90% of those videos are still relevant and that's important. They only get more views over the years. Bear in mind, we don't need hundreds of thousands of views, like a typical YouTube channel does. We just need people who are interested in buying property in Valencia to see them and then get in touch with us. You can subscribe to our channel at the link in the show notes. And remember to smash that like button as all good YouTubers remind you every single video. During the COVID years, we also changed the way we work. And when I say during the COVID years, I mean it's ongoing, it's still there. We decided to learn 360 visits so you could get more of a full vision of a property without having to physically visit it, as physical visits were difficult of course. Actually, they were impossible for three months. We were one of the first estate agents in Valencia to do this and it helped people stay in contact with what they were looking for during lockdown. We also started the video conference calls with potential buyers where we had an ask me anything attitude. I spent hours during lockdown talking to people in other countries, telling them what to expect when they got to Valencia if COVID ever disappeared, and to a certain extent, we're getting back to normality, or at least a different sort of normality now. We had to do something during lockdown, right? We then got ourselves a drone to show villas from above and around and give you more of an experience of the Valencia region. Drony, my drone, is a hobby too now, and my kids feel that I prefer Drony to them. I'll just say at this point that Drony does what he's told, doesn't answer back, and takes great photos from a height, which my kids don't you realize this means war. We also invested in more camera equipment and even Lightroom, but we never use it for property photos. Again, it's just for the hobby. All of this allows us to make our offer to people more attractive, along with Twitter content, Facebook posts, Instagramming places and life here, and now this podcast. We give people more of Valencia than a traditional estate agent does. We look towards what people want on the move to Valencia and give it to them so that once they get here, they can feel totally at home because they already know loads about the city and its environment. We hope that you appreciate it too, because you, just like everybody else, potentially one of our clients, we hope.
Finally for today then, let's get on to the listener questions. There's just two today. The first is a longer answer, which will develop into a blog post, I think, next week. And then the second one is a bit simpler to answer. Hi, Graeme. It's Marika. I'd like to ask you for, uh, perhaps you can respond to this in a podcast, if you could let us know which rural towns, in your opinion, have the biggest prospect for growth. Thank you. Interesting. I'm going to assume the question is based on price rather than size of town. If it were for size, then I'd just look back on the last two decades to where my town has gone from 11,000 to 26,000 people since I lived here, and I can't imagine 40,000, for example. Price-wise, though, I think we need to look at it in terms of why a price may go up in an area, and then look at which areas fulfil those conditions. There are lots of factors that govern the price of property, but local factors often come into the equation with facilities, new developments, council efforts to beautify the place, demand drivers due to new work opportunities and better communications. Without going into detail here, because this is actually a great subject for the blog, I think these three smaller areas have got a good chance of growth as examples, and they are not the typical ones where prices will also rise probably, but prices are already higher there. In these areas, You can spend less and get the potential of a higher percentage return when things go up in price. So firstly, Chelva and Chulia. I'm going to put these two together and not just because a river and a gorge links them. Firstly, Chelva. It's a small town a bit further inland from Valencia, but it's absolutely gorgeous and it's surrounded by beautiful countryside with Roman ruins, Moorish, Jewish and Christian history. Chelva even gets some snow in winter at times. It's just 45 minutes from Valencia and it's got cable internet. It's also got massively cheap property. One issue in Chelva is the damp in many of the old houses because one of its tourism features is, well, are the springs. Its uh, tourism feature is called the Ruta del Agua. So everywhere you go in Chelva, water just springs out from everywhere. So you've got to be careful with property because they can get a bit damp. As a weekend getaway place, you could do a lot worse. Fast internet, Writer's retreat, beautiful countryside, decent weather. What more could you ask for? And just down the road from Chelva is Chulia. You can pick up a townhouse for a song in Chulia, and it's beautiful. It's a mecca for climbers from all over the world due to its sheer cliff walls in the gorge. Chulia has a great chance of developing its own characters and adventure sports, outdoor pursuits, and rural tourism hub. However, over many years, the population of Chulia has gone down massively. That has just started to change now. The next place I'm going to mention is Biomachan. And I think Marika will be happy to hear that. If it gets its metro extension, then it could blow up. Because at the moment, the metro goes to Ribarojo, which is just four kilometers away. If Biomachan gets that metro extension, it could blow up. However, I have not seen any proof that that metro extension is coming yet. Nevertheless, Biomachant, the communication's getting better. It's got cable internet. It's got a relatively large disparity in price compared to local areas. In other words, it's a lot cheaper. And it's got much better facilities in the town now, including the schools got better, the supermarkets have got better, there's more shops, and there's even a lot of the gable ends of buildings have now got huge artworks on them, which are attracting people to come and see more. The river is by Biomachant, and you can go for really nice walks, bike rides, etc., all the way into Valencia if you want. The next one isn't a town, it's more an area, and it's Lortanot. 
It's just north of the city. The area to the north of Valencia, comprising towns such as Museros, Meliana, Albala and more, are all on the metro and railway lines into the north of the city and are well served by roads too. Mercadona is building its main office complex up there and other related industries are growing around there too. You can pick up a huge inviting townhouse for the price of a small apartment in the city. And of course, you have cable internet on tap. Very important for everyone these days. The ease of getting into and out of the city, a big attraction here, and also you're just a 10 minute drive or even bike ride to the sea in most of these places with decent beaches. Therefore, Los de Nord is a decent recommendation. If you disagree with me, or even if you agree with me, feel free to call me out or to make your own suggestions in a voice memo, and we'll play them in the next uh, episode. Amanda's question. Hi Graham, my name is Amanda and I have a question for the podcast. I was wondering about how the golden visa would work for me if I want to buy a property for less than 500000 Can I add other properties in and make up that amount? Uh, how does all of that work? Thanks. The answer here is to listen to the last episode about visas and the previous one about Brits, because that's got a lot of information about visas too. But to emphasize, yes, you cannot add up the amounts of various properties to add up to 500k on the combined deeds. Even properties bought a few years back can be added, it doesn't have to be recently. Just this week we signed for a place for 500, just one property. Even though there have been an agreed price just below because the new owner could get a golden visa with that purchase for himself, and his wife and the four kids would be the beneficiaries of his golden visa, allowing them to be anywhere in the Schengen region for 365 days a year. Now, they could have bought the place for 495, 499, and then added maybe a garage onto it for 10,000 in order to take him over the 500,000. They wanted to do it with just one purchase. Equally, if you're buying a place for 300,000, 200,000 of investment in any other sort of property will work as well. Without facts, the decision cannot be made logically. You must rely on your human intuition. That would seem logical. Just like every week, we have a recommended video, a recommended article, and a recommended property. The recommended video this week is actually from the place we sold in Denya. I made a video from the new owners with aerial photos and drone video. Take a look at it. Our recommended article this week is one I wrote on Monday which featured on the blog. All about what you don't see when looking at properties online before you visit. We talked about it before, you get the idea. Take a look, and if you think there's anything else you might suggest that you always find in properties that you're not told about, just let us know. And this week's recommended property is when a villa is attainable, unlike George Clooney. What does that mean? Well, check out the description. It's all about taking that first step and you never know where you might finish up. That's the end of today's podcast. And I'd just like to say before we go, you can find us on the web at www.valencia-property.com and the blog at valencia-property.com backslash new be found on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram. Just look us up. 
This podcast is brought to you by Valencia Property and the music used was by Kevin McLeod, who can be found at Incompetech. We also use music by Tupan Man this week and their track can be found on their album which is in the show notes. Take a listen, it's nice. Hey, 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 you still there? Ah, just one thing. We got a little bonus for you. Myself, Dave and Gavin carried on talking after we finished our little interview about the different types of descriptions and we thought you'd like to listen to a bit of it. What we're going to do is we're going to put the whole of this on our website, uh, but we're going to hide it. And if you want to listen to the rest of it after, just get in touch on our WhatsApp, which is 0034-657-994311 and say, I want in, because we'll be releasing this probably on Sunday, maybe Monday or Tuesday. I'm not sure yet, but three or four days time, we'll release this whole conversation onto the website and we'll share it with everyone in the WhatsApp group. So if you want in, just send us a message to 0034-657-994311 with the message I want in and we'll send this out to you and everybody else on Sunday, on Monday or maybe even Tuesday. It just depends when I remember. For now though, here's a little excerpt from it, the first couple of minutes. So Dave, you've been working with us now for what, a decade? More or less, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, what's the difference of working like in our company compared with other companies that you know of? Because we always work with other agents as well. I think when I see other agents running around with their little suits and ties on and having to do 12 hours on the beat and just literally revolving doors and show the same apartment 10 times in a day, it would drive me to distraction because you couldn't get enthusiastic after a couple of hours showing the same property. The good thing is that there's a lot of freedom. You expect us to do our job, but there's no pressure as in, where are you now? What are you doing? Who are you dealing with tomorrow? Because you know that the people in the company that, that you've employed, you can trust them to do mm-hmm. what they need to do. Yeah. And look after the clients as well, because personally speaking, I think for Jess and for Gavin as well, who are more on the ground with the clients, it's we all feel a bit responsible towards them because they've traveled a long way usually to see the properties. And That's a good point. It's yeah. very rarely that we don't want to... But we can't show them anything or, oh, I've just shown two because I can't be bothered with them. You know, I, we've discussed this in the past sleepless nights sometimes. You think, oh, I've got somebody in two days and I'm struggling for the agenda. And we usually come up with the goods, but it's, sometimes it'd be really difficult. Yeah, not, really... Ne- not necessarily on the budget, just because COVID, uh, owners live there, owners work as well, and you can't always get in to see the properties. So it's, uh, it's sometimes, I used to have a lot more hair. Yeah. Well, a couple of weeks ago, it was really bad, wasn't it, when we had uh, the COVID spike, and mm. it's like, you can't go to see this one because somebody's self-isolating in the property. And- well, we're in the deep end in January, and we don't usually get this till March and April, so you know, it's, it's February, the, the time of, of writing, so uh, how's it going to be in the summer? I'm kind of thinking, if it's busy now, the amount of people that are coming through, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the year. It's, it's good, but it's also, we're constantly searching for the properties, and we do our best for the clients, but sometimes you can show four at best or three and say, sorry, it is what it is. It is what it is because there's not that much available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I find that too. For me, I'm not here at all as long as Dave, but uh, for me, that's the hardest part as well. When you feel, when you're searching around for those properties and you know, I can take them out and I can show them rubbish, but just to make up the numbers, but that's not the right thing to do either. Yeah. No. And sometimes the properties just aren't there and you maybe you've only got two or three to show them and you feel maybe a little bit, you know, you can't, you can't magic up properties and you tell yourself, well, I'm doing the right thing. I'm just showing them what's interesting, what they asked for, what I think would be, be interesting to them. 
Um, but sometimes it can be, uh, yeah, sometimes you kind of feel like you've left them down a small bit. Well, you've got a client on the ground here at the moment, haven't you? It's like there's one property that's come up that might suit you here, come and have a look. And then three days later, there might be another one. It's not like five properties in an afternoon because he's got specific requirements, yeah. which change on a regular basis. Yeah, but but I, <laughs> I do, and then you have like this morning, I had a really, really good morning uh, with a couple of, um, an Irish couple of really nice people. We had lovely conversations, a lovely day. We went down to Port Supplier, looked at some really nice properties. And you have mornings like that, like out with clients is the best part of the job. Hmm. You know, yeah. arranging, arranging to go out with hard. clients is a difficult is part. Hard, exactly. <laughs> Being out with clients is usually really enjoyable, really nice. Um, so I look forward to meeting them again next week. Hopefully we look at one or two more. But yeah, you find something really good for these people, even if you've only seen one or two, you kind of go, yeah, that's it. That was a good job. I did a good job with that. And I think the style of the website as well, it acts as the filter because of the descriptions that we write and the listings that we do. You're, you're all already qualifying the client who's coming over who's willing to be easy going and they don't expect to see everything on the first day they will give you a few days and they will give you some time and, and also it's it's a big trust issue as well with the, with any yeah. agent mm -hmm. and the, the american clients that we have come over they're great because they they stick to their guns they trust you to do your job and to find what they need rather than they just start thrashing about and trying to contact every single agent in valencia because they get to desperation states there was a client a couple of years ago no names mentioned i've got a buzzer but i'm not going to press it because it's too noisy <laughs> That client came 20, uh, two years ago, saw about 20 properties and didn't really like any of them. And on the fifth day said, what are we seeing today? And I had to say, there's nothing left. You've seen everything that you could see or need to see. And I think they left empty handed. Yeah. I, I haven't I have, heard from them since. They might be in Lisbon. God knows where they got to. Yeah. I had a similar experience last night, uh, the opposite way though, because um, I got in touch with a client who'd posted on Facebook that they've been here for four or five days and they've just seen nothing that they were interested in. Can anybody help us? And I sent them a private message. I didn't put it in the, in the group and that. And they said, yeah, we're working with, and it was an agency who works similar to the way we do. And I said, well, that's fine. If we've got one direct, we'll send it to the agency for you because we're not going to try and steal you as a client. Mm -hmm. You know? And I said, I'm sure they're doing the best. That's the thing, because you might have come with certain criteria, and the things just aren't on the market for that criteria at the moment. And I can tell you what the criteria were, up to 350,000, a house in a Cavagnon. There just aren't any at the moment. We sold four last year, which is good going. That was our conversation. Well, it was a part of it. If you want to hear the rest of it, just sign up for the WhatsApp group. See you next week anyway. Mm -hmm.